So a very special welcome to everybody. It is the 21st of August. Uh, it has been exceptionally hot here on the Costa Blanca in Spain. Just a little too hot. As ever, we'll be looking at items that you might not have seen in our news here in Europe. Looking specifically at uh, Spain and the United Kingdom. For those followers of the podcast, uh, you will know that uh, Terry and Neil, well, we've not uh, seen or heard from them for a while because of the technology and the move of the studio, etc. But I will be having a special guest with me very shortly. So uh, welcome to Barbara Ann, who's with me looking at the news, and uh, first and foremost, how are you coping with the heat? Uh, well, uh, put it like this, um, it's been the hottest summer since we've been living here, which is nearly 19 years, and um, I'll be glad when September and October come. Okay, we'll start with um, looking at uh, an item in the news you might have missed, where a court in Ceuta which is one of the two enclaves which is uh, sort of in the north of Africa, uh, Spanish property of course. Um, uh, They ruled on Monday to suspend for 72 hours the repatriation of migrant miners who crossed irregularly into the Spanish exclave city in May. Uh, This is when lax border controls in Morocco saw more than 10,000 people breach the territory. While most of the migrants who entered in May have been sent back, around 740 remain in Ceuta uh, under Spain's care. Now, on Friday of last week, the Spanish Interior Ministry struck a deal with Morocco to uh, repatriate these young Uh, people to the North African country. Under the agreement around 15 unaccompanied minors uh, would be sent back every day until all 740 were returned. This was a process expected to take two months. Uh, The repatriations began on Friday and then since then around 45 have been sent back. So uh, we are talking still of quite a few who are not back in the country from which they came. The decision to deport the migrant miners in Ceuta has been strongly opposed by various groups which argue it violates the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child which was ratified by Spain in 1990 and the 2000 Immigration Law which states that protection services and the public prosecutor must issue a report before a minor can be deported. Now um, I'm looking really, I'm hoping that I'm going to be speaking as a normal observer of something that we're all a little bit sort of worried about. When I say worried, uh, it's obvious that when you look at the amount of people coming from the sub-Saharan countries going into certainly Spain via this route and from the United Kingdom via people coming across the channel uh, in boats, What I find very strange is that they're talking straight away about the human rights. Surely if we've got to show papers every time we leave a country and make sure that we um, basically are showing that we are able to come into that country, surely that means that if it doesn't really matter what age people are, more likely that if it's young people uh, coming without papers, then I just don't understand why there's this uh, difference between me leaving with papers to show who I am, where I've come from, what I'm going to be doing and that sort of thing, and uh, these young people coming over in boats um, illegally. Let's be honest about this. It's not uh, it's not a boating lake, is it? We're talking about coming across um, uh, and coming over a border. So they've climbed a fence or swum round to get into this enclave. 
Okay, you're uh, a female, so you will have a different point of view, possibly. I don't know. Um, you know, where are the mothers of these people? Where, 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 are, the, where are the parents? I mean, you, you know, I know this is part of the problem. So how do you see it? Well, um, I, as you just said, uh, we've been to Australia, we've been to America, we've been uh, to England, obviously. And certain papers we had to fill in. Oh, we've been to Russia as well. And we had to fill in papers um, to say where we lived, um, our parents, whether we'd had any convictions, um, whether we'd ever been in prison or anything like that. So th they have got um, a background of the person that's entering that country. Whereas, as you say, these young people, whether they're you know, in danger where they live, um, we still have got no information or the, the government have no information of their background, whether they take drugs, whether they've uh, done any, any crime in their own country. Um, and as you say, it is illegal to enter another country anyway. So why are, is it against their human rights? I mean, does that mean that we can, anybody can go anywhere and say, I've got to enter, if, if we went to Russia, there's no way that we would get past um, the boarding thing if we hadn't got the right paperwork. So it does seem a little bit um, two-way, you know, two rules really. Um, one rule for one, one nation and another rule for the ones that uh, just want to get away from their country. But as you say about the parents or the, the mothers, maybe maybe i don't know maybe the parents or the mother wants their children to get away to be safer but there surely must be a way of doing it legally i think what would probably make us all feel a little bit more understanding is if these kids looked impoverished but they don't look it when they turn up in in their tracksuits and uh, with their smartphones and they've got better phones apparently i mean certainly than most of the older people uh, like ourselves would have mm. it's almost like you know somebody is funding it exactly. and it's part of this bigger picture of trying to undermine the economy of the countries mm. okay well look that that's just <coughs> something that uh, i it's spotted it's ongoing isn't it uh, we live near benidorm and um Every morning, the Ponienti Beach in Benidorm, which is on more like the Spanish side, <coughs> it um, has a race among beachgoers as they compete to plant their umbrellas as close to the sea as possible. Well, we've all heard the jokes about that sort of thing. But um, most Saturdays now, the winners are passengers on the Melusca Arias Playero Viajero bus. Now this is a vehicle which leaves Madrid at midnight and arrives in Alicante around 6.30 and then uh, the sound of flip-flops of course um, <laughs> breaks the silence of the Avenida Jaume the first, which runs all the way down to the seafront. Uh, these passengers are carrying cool boxes, baby strollers and little speakers to play their music on. None of them <coughs> have been able to sleep. Many boarded the bus after finishing their working day in hospitality, construction sites or taking care of the children or seniors, but none of that matters. The prize, as this article points out, lies before them, a beach all to themselves as the sun comes up. And there's a lady from Bolivia who uh, was in the paper and hasn't been to the beach since 2012. It's beautiful, but my head is pounding because I haven't been able to sleep a wink, she says, with her cell phone in her hand after taking a photograph at the steps that lead down to the sand. She's accompanied by a couple of Peruvian, Peruvian friends who convinced her to come because they could see that she was depressed in Madrid. Since the children moved out of their home, she spent a lot of time alone and you can see this would be fantastic for an old person um, coming from the likes of Madrid. These trips are not just for the summer, by the way. Once the heat of the summer is finished, the beach is swapped for the mountains and the excursions allow for migrants residing in Madrid to get to know their adoptive country. Um, the bus that visits the beautiful cities of Spain is one of of its slogans. Um, Miluska, this particular lady, was born in Peru 41 years ago um, and has spent 20 years organising these trips 
She and her husband or ex-husband had just arrived in Madrid and were inspired by similar buses that run in Lima. Uh, this is what she explained. So many families with children buy tickets for her trips, as do senior women. Nearly all are of Latin American origin. Now, you and I both know uh, we've made comments as we've been down on Poniente that there does seem to be quite a lot of South American peoples there, uh, which really probably uh, explains a little bit of why we should think that. I mean, I, 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 I don't know about you, but I, I always think they look... Uh, just a very very nice friendly type of people and um, you know it's nice to see them isn't it lovely lovely and again we've been down on the beach at seven o'clock in the morning because um, in years gone by you know it's if you're up and, and it's hot oh yeah we'll go down to the beach while it's quiet and we've been amazed about the amount of people that are actually down on the beach at that time and jogging um, up the road and planting the as you say their umbrellas as close as they can to the sea which stays it doesn't come in and out it stays at that uh, point um, but as you say a day trip blooming, uh, you know they must be they must sleep all the way back on the coach um, but having said that had a lovely day uh, been by the sea all day with their pack lunches and had a great time, I would imagine. I know when I was looking at the history of Britain, uh, when I was studying a long, long time ago now, but we used to talk about people walking uh, from many, many miles away, walking to the beach in Blackpool, uh, sometimes even from the likes of Liverpool, to walk all the way up to Blackpool. Many people wouldn't believe that. Now, obviously, this is not walking, so you've got a fast train that comes down, and I think it sounds like a great idea with the, the train or the bus coming well, down yeah. so quickly now. I suppose, as you say, it, it, like England, we have lots of day trips to different um, beaches, don't we, from the towns. So it's a similar thing, only obviously the beaches and the, and the weather is guaranteed here for their little day trip. Okay, rather a nice story that, and I have to say it's nice to really have a, a, a nice thing to talk about rather than some of the horrible things that we unfortunately seem to only find. Coming to you from downtown Belgium on the Costa Blanca in sunny Spain. You're calling, finding the news you might have missed. Uh, so, uh, you know, as I read the papers, I am busy looking to see what um, has been going on that we don't get to hear about. Police in Madrid have arrested four men over their suspected involvement in the theft of an X-ray machine. This was stolen from the Raman and Cajal Hospital. Uh, national police officers in, in Madrid have arrested four people for their alleged involvement in the theft of this X-ray diagnostic machine from this hospital. Uh, and it's been sold as scrap metal. Now, two of the detainees reportedly being investigated for the theft while other two are the owners of the junkyard where the machine was found <coughs> uh, they've been charged with an alleged crime of receiving as reported by madrid police headquarters during the early hours of monday august the 16th officers of the citizen security service learned of the theft of this x-ray machine um, at which uh, obviously they start initiating their series of investigations that led them to a street in the Madrid district of Ciudad Lineal where the police uh, suspected that those allegedly responsible for the theft of the machine could be found. Uh, obviously the danger is with it being ra radioactive uh, material as well. According to the police sources the officers located the suspects in a vehicle and after interviewing them, they found that they had sold the machine at a scrapyard uh, with the transaction made for a very negligible price compared to its original value, at which point a patrol from the, that particular place went down to arrest the owners of the scrapyard. Those investigated for the robbery are, uh, robbery are two young people of 19 and 25. Yes, it is young, but I don't think it's that young. No. If you're 19, you know damn well what you're doing. You're you know pinching. right. You know right from wrong, and how 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 stupid. I mean, pointless. And also, to take a, an X-ray machine from a hospital, in itself, is just 
ludicrous really I mean they just um, and, and to get very little money for it I would imagine it would have cost thousands to uh, to buy um, well the uh, information as I have it um, these two people with numerous police records I mean how many times do we hear this mm. and how many times are we going to hear it? it's the same two probably as soon as they get out um, f uh, get away from this paperwork they'll Anyway, um, the first has four convictions and the second up to 17. I mean, y y you know, you, 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 you can't can be kind to people like this anymore, yeah, I can mean, you? I, I do believe in giving people a second chance, even maybe a third chance. But after that, they know what they're doing and they have to be punished because... Uh, you know, when you've got your children, you give them a first and you give them a second and then you give them a punishment, either keep them in for a week or stop their pocket money. You've got to have some sort of deterrent. Otherwise, they're just laughing in the police's face. You know, they're just saying, oh, oh they can't touch me. But after 17, I mean, that is just taking the mickey, isn't it? It's, um, it's just... It's just unbelievable, really, the way the, the justice system can't see it. So, you know, I don't believe. Now, don't the, the owners of the scrapyard, by the way, they apparently have no police records. Um, during the course of the arrest, a TEDx NRBQ specialist unit of the National Police uh, was deployed to the scrapyard to inspect both the facility and the van that had been transported um, obviously with the machine inside it to verify that there had been no radioactive, radioactive leakage during its uh, handling and transport. You see, that's another aspect of this that really is quite difficult to understand. I, I, I could probably naively pick something like that up, forgetting that if you go for an x-ray, you've got to stand behind um, a, a, a special screen, protective yeah. screen, haven't you? Yeah, and the operators have a like a, a proper shield, don't they? Like um, a bib, which is very heavy to stop the radioactive uh, coming onto them. Okay, so that uh, takes us to our next item, which is a bill for 600,000 euros. Now we're talking about money like this in, in a way as if we were all playing Monopoly. It's a massive game of Monopoly. And this is to replace burned containers in Valencia. The city officials are obviously quite annoyed about this because the money could be better used elsewhere. In the last uh, two years 518 containers in Valencia have been destroyed in acts of vandalism. 278 standard grey containers, 165 containers for paper and cardboard and 75 for plastic. According to the City Council, most of them were burned. The total cost of these acts of vandalism have been estimated at €607,700 in total. In an appeal to the public, Sergei Campillo, the Deputy Mayor and the Councillor for Urban Ecology, has called for the proper care and treatment of urban furniture, expressing his outrage at the fact that public funds needed elsewhere are being used to replace burned furniture. Um, now, to dissuade potential vandals, the city will have to replace these containers with metal containers that are fire resistant. The cost of replacing a container is quite substantial for the municipality's finances. A grey container costs, guess how much? Oof. A thousand? Mm, 1,150, it's a good guess. The containers for the paper and the plastics, 1,200 euros each one. The glass containers, on the other hand, doesn't cost the municipality any money be because it is a property of recycling company Eco Vidrio. But that means they've got to pay for it, mm -hmm. so there is a cost. Um, the, um, they're contractually responsible for replacing the burned unit. The City Council started replacing the burned containers with metallic units that are identical in appearance and have a deterrent impact. In addition, the Sustainable Urban Waste Management and Public Space Cleaning Services will start extensive collaboration with the local containers and the National Police in an effort to find and punish the violators. 
maintaining the containers is a huge job. I have, I've never thought about this, mm. but it is a huge job, isn't it? Mm. Every time a notice is received by the telephone, um, if anybody's listening and sees anything, 010 is what you dial, or by any city employee, a team is dispatched in a van with all the tools and spur parts essential for man maintenance. On top of a daily wash from the outside, the grey containers are pressure washed four times a year inside and exterior using water and degreasing and odorizing chemicals while the other types of the containers are cleaned twice a year using the same technique now that's the sort of thing that you know you don't normally think about this no. i mean since we've been living in our new new uh, house we are not very close but we can see the all the different um containers the ones that are underneath the ground and the f i think there's four bins a gray brown green i think yellow as well but anyway they're all different and i would say nearly every day you hear the van and they're emptying one of those colors i mean i'm not talking once a week once every once a day um they empty the bins and as you say it's a big job i mean it's a big wagon um and you know we never have any smell there's never a smell there or anything but you'll always get the the odd person won't you Vince that mm -hmm. uh, won't um, bend all their cardboard for instance they'll just dump it completely fully it like a box instead of flattening it all so there'll always be somebody that won't follow rules of um, cleanliness and things like that you know it's just annoying well I, I think the, the problem is that it's all, you, you make you make excuses for these kids. Uh, people say, "Oh, they've got nowhere to go. Uh, they've got nothing to do." I don't believe that. I think they've got more than the, that people have ever had. You know, uh, these days it's just that they want to spend more time on the phones, and they want the phones to start with. Um, I mean, y you know, why is it that it's okay for older people to go for a walk, but not for younger people? You know, why can't they? go and do something go and uh, i mean I, I must say in defense of spanish children and, and younger people they do spend a lot of time talking to each other don't they yeah and, and again it's only i would say a minority of of children that um are like that because we know lots and lots of from oh, from an early age right up to say 20 30 year olds they go to the gym they go jogging they're on the the bicycles with their friends they're on the motorbikes with their friends going up the mountains there are a lot of young people that uh, are doing things so it's the ones that are i would say basically lazy um they can't be bothered and they just think it's funny to vandalize um different things they they're just bored uh with themselves really because as you say there's so many things that they can do that they just don't want to do it that it's a case of just um i don't want to do that you know I, i'd rather destroy something okay so uh we just remind you who we are and what we're doing uh, before we go to uh, another piece of news from spain um it's europe calling and we are based on the costa blanca here in sunny spain and uh just so that we make it official this is what we do coming to you from downtown Benidorm on the costa blanca in sunny spain europe calling Finding the news you might have missed. Now, uh, this is something which I spotted in the paper, which is uh, the search for quality land in the province uh, of Alicante is a reminiscent of the days of the land grab in the United States. They say the United States, but we've had a land grab here where, mm. you know, people who are on land which is wanting, uh, wanted by the Valencian community authorities, they've had the land grabbed. Um, not just uh, immigrant people like ourselves, uh, but the, sp the Spanish people yeah, have as well, you Spanish, know. Yeah. So, um, so, with various companies outbidding each other to be able to install solar parks now, this is the situation uh, which is becoming serious uh, that people uh, began organizing in opposition to the new landowners attempting to educate the public and anyone who would listen 
about how dangerous uncontrolled solarization of the Valencian community can be for the uh, environment. So on the one hand you've got the fact that we are a very sunny area so obviously it is uh, a, viable, a viable idea to use the land for this sort of um, uh, you know for this sort of use. Um, more than half of the hectares in the Valencian community are susceptible to renewables and uh, are in the province of Alicante so we're talking about you know the area we know quite well particularly with areas uh, with vineyards olive groves uh, almond trees and if you drive from where we are here and drive up to Valencia one of the um, the, the, the attractive parts of the drive is the fact that you look out onto rows and rows fields massive areas with uh, beautiful oranges which you know coming from England where we didn't have oranges growing I just it still fascinates me to see so many oranges growing mm. but the latest sort of years have seen um, the politics spoiling it for the people that are the growers because you know imported oranges from South Africa apparently are cheaper than um, oranges on our own doorstep here which is bonkers anyway going back to this um, land grab um, more than half of the hectares have, have said uh, which are already being used according to this is La Vanguardia um, paper uh, farmers in these areas are already receiving offers ranging from 1500 to 2000 euros per hectare per year this is for lease and uh, ranging from 20 to 30 years the offer is so good that even the most profitable farmers uh, they've got to consider accepting it with the new projects various wine producing organizations have gone on the offensive and many have petitioned the Valencian government for protection they are emphasizing that the vineyard is one of the cleanest crops available it emits oxygen produces little waste has few pests and uses very little water stopping production will not only harm the environment but it will also uh, result in a significant cultural loss as wine uh, production in Valencia is part of a 2000 year old tradition part of our cultural heritage if you like here in Valencia regardless of what is going on right now solar is the future of Valencia and the province will become the powerhouse of Spain sooner or later there are numerous reasons for this the most important of which of course is the Sun which is here um, which is available uh, this is why we're the Costa Blanca it's the white coast because we do have uh, over 300 days of sunshine every year massive capital is being mobilized for the change from fossil to renewables in Europe's current energetic revolu revolution and while Spain is investing in wind power uh, generation solar is the main focus point and a lot of power will be required especially between 2030 and 2050 um, this of course is when Europe um, is um, <laughs> is going to have a large amount uh, of energy to export it does remain to see whether it will still have any local wines now uh, when you look at um, the, 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 the drive for example when we come from um, the Costa Blanca and we drive up to the north of Spain say when we're going to the Basque Country uh, when we drive up that way every now and again you uh, come across fields which are full of solar panels these are the solar panels which you see on the top of people's houses obviously um, for those that can afford it it's making good sense but if the farmers start doing it um, I don't know how attractive you find it but I don't know about uh, fields everywhere of uh, just panels for solar power what do you think is it, is it something that you feel well, is nice to look at well I don't think it's nice to look at to be honest you know as you said just before when you're driving along the um, the motorway and you look to the to the side and it's rows and uh, fields as far as you can see and you can see all the oranges and then when there isn't oranges it's just lovely and green 
um, it will spoil the view. There's no two ways about it because um, when we went to California, if you remember, all those years ago, we were going through different parts of the desert and coming out of Palm Springs and there were just miles and miles of solar panels and we thought then... Oh, no, 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 they, they weren't the solar pa panels, they, they, they were the wind farms. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, but I mean hundreds and hundreds of these wind uh, things. But, I mean, <laughs> let's face it, it's not really a good view, I mean, they're interesting. But it's not as good as um, seeing green trees with, um, or you know, just views. But on the other hand, I do accept the fact that we have got to save our energy. You know, if we want to go green, this is obviously making use of the sun uh, and putting it to good use. But there's got to be a, down, a downside as well for people um, not having the views with it. I suppose if you look at um, if you look at the way things have evolved, and we're being told all the time of the climate change, and we know that uh, the, uh, the the fossil fuels are running out. I suppose they do have to um, think in these terms of the future. But yeah. um, but of course they can't do it everywhere because there isn't the sun everywhere. Mm -hmm. So. Is it just a price we have to pay, that this is a natural resource that we've not tapped into? Remembering that in Cornwall, when they started getting the wind turbines in Cornwall, uh, we used to drive past and we could hear nothing. You really couldn't hear much a of whisper. a sound. Mm. Um, and yet all the locals started telling everybody how bad it was and that the, the, the noise was affecting them. Um, and the views were bad. and Yeah. As I say, it's maybe it's the modern way that we've got to think because um, uh, we are using a lot of fuel, aren't we? And um, the, uh, again, in Spain, the electricity uh, prices have, have shot up through the roof. So maybe this would be a way of controlling it. But of course, you see, the, the thing is we're all now being driven towards electric cars. Yeah. And yet, from what I read, there's enough evidence to suggest the production of the electricity needed to feed the cars and everything that's going to go into this new system is, is probably going to be uh, not as uh, wonderful as that they they talking about yeah it'll be clean but it'll it'll be it'll be at a cost yeah okay let's move away so we move sunny spain and move to the uk Okay, so we move to the United Kingdom, and despite uh, guidance, this is obviously ongoing because it's been happening for a long, long time. Um, you've got this guidance from government about the masks and how everybody should wear them in confined spaces, etc., etc. Um, I think what many of us are getting really cross about is the fact that it's uh, so many times we find not uh, do as we do but do as we say and the thing that I'm looking at is um, the guidance that the uh, the front bench ministers only two of them in the United Kingdom in Parliament only Michael Gove and the security minister Damien Hines declined to wear a mask um, so uh, MPs were crammed shoulder to shoulder into the House for the first time since March uh, of the previous year to debate the situation in Afghanistan and were not required to socially distance or wear a mask. But in a sign of how politically divisive masks have become, virtually everyone on the opposition benches opted to wear one, including obviously Keir Starmer, uh, that's the Labour leader, and his deputy Angela Rayner. Boris Johnson led those on the government's front branches who declined to wear a covering including the Chancellor, Richie Sunak, uh, the Foreign Secretary, Dominic Raab, Ben Wallace, the Defence Secretary. Um, what is going on when one rule uh, is pretty obviously kept for us and another rule is pretty obviously kept for everybody else. Uh, I mean, you can understand people getting fed up, can't you? 
Well, of course, um, we've spoken to our relatives in England saying that it's becoming very, um, very confusing apart from anything else. And it's also becoming quite comical because from week to week they're saying different things. And if you don't listen to the news, which a lot of our friends don't now because they're just sick of it, um, they don't even know the up-and-coming rules as might have changed. Um, old people don't have the internet connections like young people do. So they're not uh, up-to-date with things. But um, I, just, I just don't know when it's going to end. Um, we just can't understand why sitting, having a coffee outside, this is in England and, and Spain, you could have no mask and be close to, you know, a few people sitting with you. But anybody walking past you on a pavement, they have to wear a mask. I mean, it's just, it, it's just quite farcical now. And I think people are starting to laugh about it because I know there's um, been a bad germ. And I know, um, again, with the flu, thousands of people every year um, died with the flu. And I just think, myself, it's a different type of flu that att attacks uh, your lungs. But it is not, we don't think it's necessary to have the masks all the time, all the time. Um, because it hasn't really stopped it, and it's nearly two years now. So what, what use have the masks been? I don't have a big problem with somebody who's got a cold wearing exactly, a mask. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I think that's common sense. I mean, when before all this happened, if a friend had the c a cold or the flu, you'd say, oh, c don't come and see me for a few days um, and stay off work, d don't go to school. Co common sense things like washing your hands. We all did it before anyway, cl cleaning your face and all this. Why should it be so different with the COVID thing? We're, we're not stupid. And, and also, we do know too many people who have not had anything other than either a, a light cold or uh, maybe a light flu and a heavy cold. Yeah. And yet, they've gone along and come back and told everybody that they've got COVID. And yeah. I'm not sure, um, really, that the COVID, whatever is tested, is not in, in your system anyway because it must be part of a family of flu germs yeah, yeah. Uh, but we do know of too many now if it was just an odd one that would be um, annoying and a bit frustrating but when it's all the time it becomes something that makes you a little bit more suspicious I mean I, I, I myself always have had the flu jab in England because I was working in a care home and we had to have it but even with the flu jab, you don't know which germ is going to attack you uh, or, or come that year of, of the winter. So I was lucky. I had a few colds and f uh, feeling not well, but nothing terrible. But you can't even guarantee the COVID jabs. I mean, you're having a double jab. Now you want a booster jab. You can't still travel without a test. I mean, it's all money, money, money. Our friends paid 150 euros each way to come to Spain because they've got a house here. Um, it, it's just, we just think it's a money-making thing to get the money back that they've been losing on, on different things, you know. I think anybody who is already taking care of as much of their own health as they can if you look intelligently at the news and the amount of saturation, you don't get saturation when it comes to the things that people should be doing, like obviously trying to get the, uh, the vitamin C, vitamin D, uh, getting out in the, uh, front, uh, in the, in the fresh air, uh, keeping your weight down to a minimum, not smoking, not over drinking. I mean, all those things we're led to believe are being uh, that's preaching but it isn't it's lifestyle choices if you want to live healthily those are the things we know work yeah. well before all this it was all about um people eating too much and overweight uh, and um, having pressure on the national health because of blood pressure um uh, diabetes uh, all to d all related i think to weight um heart disease but that's all sort of gone out the window now. They don't talk about anything else except COVID.
So I try to minimise uh, uh, um, too much COVID stuff because basically that is one of the problems. If you sit in front of a TV screen and just get brainwashed, you stop thinking for yourself. Um, this is a senior firefighter now and he has won more than £40,000 in the UK after he was sacked for calling his boss a buffoon. Paul Renforth had a reputation for being quite an angry individual and had bad blood with managers. This is the Employment Tribunal reporting. He directed the insult towards Simon Smith at the start of a shift, prompting the station manager to email his boss saying enough is enough. The incident in June 2018 was the final straw and the catalyst for his dismissal. Uh, this was from a fire station at London's Luton Airport after 15 years of service. A judge has now ruled he was unfairly dismissed because bosses made an early decision to sack him and didn't follow a reasonable process. The tribunal in Watford heard Mr Renforth began having difficulties in 2015 after he returned from a 13-month tour of duty in Afghanistan with the army. Now, um, this is one of the comments and I do like reading the comments that other people write because I think it makes me um, a little bit more aware of how others feel and that's is it near what I'm thinking this writer says I can't believe the fire service of all people are unaware of the correct procedures to instigate dismissal proceedings from the accounts of his behavior this person fully warrants uh, or warranted dismissal and his adverse behaviour could have potentially been detrimental to the safety of his colleagues. There is plenty of information out there showing how these procedures should be implemented. They should have followed this advice. Instead, this person is now £40,000 better off that he shouldn't be entitled to. I would say there's another po point of view here, another way of looking at it. We've all worked with people who are... Um, promoted well above their uh, ability and if he has said his uh, boss is a buffoon um, people should be asking why is his boss a buffoon call him into the office ask him to explain why his boss is a buffoon because if he gives a sensible answer it would probably give us a sensible way of looking at where the situation could be ma managed better. If his boss is a buffoon, then certainly this guy is not a buffoon for pointing out the obvious. Because if his boss is a buffoon, and nobody has bothered to say it, then surely the danger would come from a command position where he could be giving orders to people um, and endangering their lives. I think that many people know that their bosses are not as competent as they should be. Um, your thoughts from a female perspective? Well, exactly. Um, sometimes, or you know, quite a few times, the boss isn't really the one that's the most intelligent in whatever situation, the office or the fire brigade or the, even the police. It's all the people below them that do all the information and all the work and pass it on to the boss. And then he or she, um, you know, dis uh, distributes it out or, or, you know, makes decisions. But it's not them usually that makes the first decision. It's just that they're at the top of the, of the pyramid, really. And... Um, Quite often, I would say, quite often, uh, people listening to this have worked in a situation where they work really hard, they get results and that, but the boss seems to them as if they're sitting in their office or they're not particularly working hard, earning a lot more money than them, and basically sitting on their backside, really, to put it plainly. So I think there are a lot of male and female um, people like that. But the people that are employed don't say anything because they don't want to get the sack. Like this guy has got the sack, but he has got 40,000. But 
you you're sort of um, uh, criticised if you ever criticise your boss. You know, you're sort of um, held to account as how dare you say that. So people in general just keep quiet. Uh, and it's a shame, but there is a lot of people earning a lot of money that don't really um, deserve it or earn it like the, the workers do. I've worked in, in a, a number of times now where really I've known the boss should not really be the boss. Um, and the trouble is, sometimes if it's a nice person, you think, OK, well, you know, we'll just work together and get on with it. But if you've got situations where you can see quite blatantly that, that, you know, you're doing all the work and somebody else is getting paid for it, well, I can understand this guy's frustration. What I can't understand is the way that the, the tribunal have acknowledged that the guy's been uh, to Afghanistan. So if he's gone to Afghanistan and fought for his country, but because he then comes back and sees that something maybe is not quite right in a situation in the workplace, um, immediately he's wrong. Let's go to the next one. Um, and um, this is to do with metropolitan police officers are recognising a link between football games and a rise in domestic abuse cases. This is according to the Metropolitan Commander Melanie Dales. And uh, she said extra resources are deployed specifically for large sporting events to deal with a spike in cases. Ms. Dale admitted that the force recognises a link between matches and incidents of domestic abuse. Traditionally, when you get big football events and England lose, we can sometimes see a spike in the way um, the domestic abuse incidents rise, she said. What we do in these cases is we make sure we have extra teams working with our partnership agencies to make sure we can refer appropriately. Um, okay. You obviously are embroiled in the football that we are mad keen on. Um, you know every now and again I say to you, I don't want to watch a football match in a certain situation. A, that bar is a bit too hostile. B, that particular person gets too argumentative, etc, uh, etc. Et because I like to try and watch objectively. But we do know that some men take this far too seriously and... Do you think that she's got a point with this domestic abuse? Oh, definitely, definitely, because um, we've got three boys and yourself uh, all liking the same team and all get very upset uh, for maybe an hour or so after the game if we lose, which is natural because you want your team to win. But, as you say, some men, even women, gets very very upset uh, plus they have alcohol and then for some horrible reason when they come home they take it out on their wives or their partners um, I think this has happened for many years though Vince I think um, if the wife or the partner knows that the team has lost she then knows that he, he or she isn't going to come home till quite late they'll have been to the bar the pub um, got very angry and then they come home and they take it out on their wives which is very sad because when you think it is only a football match but when I say it's only a it's a passionate um, sport uh, for supporters but to take it to the extreme of um, violence I'll never ever agree with that I mean hooligans that are in in the actual football uh, stadium or outside that hit you know throw bombs and all that you know fire bombs and destroy cars i'll never ever agree with that a true supporter of football does not agree with it let's go to a comment which is written by somebody calling themselves the duke uh, well not comments from the female cabal that runs the metropolitan service uh, not a force anymore soft and so woke it's run like a branch of the women's union uh, institute we need a root and branch culling of the heads of the Met and rid ourselves of all the graduate philosophy that pervades at Scotland Yard. Recruiting in the Met should be concentrated on retiring military personnel. Real men get uh, coppers properly trained and back on the streets and pounding the pavements. Stop this putty, puss, pussyfooting around and pandering to the lefty softies. 
there's an element of what that guy's saying is true mm. um, I keep seeing things when Cressida Dick the uh, the little lady that's in charge of New Scotland Yard uh, c comes on the, the box and I'm thinking no you're not right she's because not strong enough in her voice well yeah. certain things have to be very very quickly I mean really without showing you figures and knowing a lot more about that that article in that paper really is written too vaguely we do know now and again of people getting a bit hot tempered but you and I personally, I don't think we've ever known anybody that gets beaten up over football. No. I don't I think, think so. It does happen. It does happen, definitely. But I mean, especially in, 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 dare I say, in poorer areas, um, or, you know, of uh, villages and towns and things like that, or men that are out of work or uh, they're watching it in the pub on, on the television and they come home and they're in a very bad temper about that and they take it out on the family, which is, is, is not on not on well don't forget we're not just talking about football here because really th that's the legacy of uh, men who basically are bullies well are frustrated often in their own lives maybe overworked overstressed there, there are lots of reasons but, but no excuse the, we, we've we've let ourselves get to a stage where um, it's it's like you see too much a violence on TV going unpunished if people are allowed to proliferate violent actions it doesn't really matter whether it's down to football whether it's down to not having any money you see murders in every single day of the week every single newspaper and different different types of lifestyles you know they could be rich people yeah, but, but we're still getting away from the basic thing is do not you don't beat people up and you don't sort of attack them and murder them. I mean, I can remember, and I can remember a time when, uh, when I was about 11, playing football, and suddenly everybody were talking about a pillbox and a, a body had been found in this pillbox. This was on Woodchurch Estate in Merseyside. And everybody was talking about this terrible event that had happened. Somebody had been murdered. Uh, the problem is that people have got far too blasé about um, life in general. When people get beaten up, when people get attacked, when people then go to court and people get away with it, that's been going on for far too long and that's what needs addressing and they still do not see that. I'm going to go to um, one of Britain's widest cycle paths, which is even larger than the lanes on the road it runs alongside. It's been condemned to shambles by local re residents, with drivers having to pull over to avoid crashing. The cycle path, which is 11 foot 2 inches across, is in Wimborne, Dorset, and it was built by drastically narrowing the width of a busy B road alongside it, leaving buses, lorries and emergency vehicles with only 9 foot 5 wide lanes. This is contrary to Highways England guidelines stating they must be 12 feet, and despite being more than half as wide as the two-lane road, cyclists are still using the regular carriageway instead of the freshly created uh, bike lanes. Um, residents in the market towns have reported lorries clipping wing mirrors as they pass each other, angry motorists shouting at cyclists for not using the path, and cars veering into the oncoming lanes to avoid bicycles. Well, it, it's just, it, 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 you can't believe something like that has happened. I mean, uh, if they've had so many complaints already, immediately, and not, I'm saying immediately, they should go and um, change the width of the cycle path for a start. And uh, the, the cars can kill people more so than a bicycle can kill somebody. And if, you, if a bicycle owner can't act responsibility in either single line or even a double line of a nine foot, they, they shouldn't be on, on the road anyway. But to give a, a car that much, um, that lack of space is somebody talking about bosses and people that, that we've just talking about. Is a buffoon. A, somebody has approved that. Somebody is a buffoon. And, and tell the workers to go and do it. So if we go by what we've just been discussing, 
somebody would say that's in the one. office, yeah, that's okay. Joe, as a, it's a, a buffoon has decided to do yeah, that. Let's give them permission for that to happen. But then immediately all the uh, other side start ganging up and saying, oh, you can't call the boss a buffoon. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. That is ridiculous. We were travelling behind cyclists yesterday and um, they, they were supposed to be one abreast. It was a, a dual carriageway. Um, they were two abreast and one was even moving out to become a three abreast. Mm -hmm. We're going to finish by quickly uh, on the last um, four minutes discussing experts revealing how to broach the topic of leaving your offspring no inheritance. This is after Daniel Craig uh, branded the practice distasteful and said his children won't inherit his vast fortunes because he plans to get rid of it before he dies. He's the latest celebrity to encourage his children to work hard and support themselves rather than relying on his wealth after revealing they won't inherit his vast fortune. Um, this is a, according to a financial advisor claiming this. Um, I'll give you a quick comment. Uh, this is the far away one um, on Christmas Island. So many jealous people here. It's his money and he can do whatever he chooses with it. I think it's a great idea to leave enough to get a home and not to worry about things, but also not too much that they don't have to find meaningful occupations. That is the benefit of money, finding meaningful work rather than as a Tesco checkout girl. Now, I'm going to quickly challenge that because when I go to the supermarket, I quite enjoy shopping, especially trying to learn about all the different words and things. But when I go to the checkout, some girls make the experience so pleasant mm -hmm. that I enjoy exactly. going to them. And we Others, al we always use their name, and they seem to appreciate if we say uh, hello, thank you, Maria, and they oh, oh, I say because some people treat them like servants. A lot of people they don't speak to them, they don't communicate with the cashier, and she's she's there for maybe eight hours a day, you know, doing doing the shop, you know, doing the work. You know, it's just ridiculous. But going back to this um, man with the money, or any any uh, parent who's earned that money, a self-made um, person who has earned a fortune, yes, I agree to an extent. I agree, I would say, that it would be nice to leave each child enough money to say to buy a house or a car and put them on the um, on the property ladder if they're not already on it. But yes, I also agree not to give them all his fortune because it doesn't teach you anything. It doesn't teach your children to be a nice person, to earn money and appreciate the money. What I don't agree with is leaving money to the dogs and the cats. I have a to say... Bit. I don't mind... Uh, but well, I, don't well, mind I have millions. to say, it's their money. They can do what they like with it. Mm. But I wish they wouldn't. Um, because in particular, to finish our podcast on a, a lighter note, our cat is a bit of a pain at the moment. You know, you get up, you clean his plate, you go to the cupboard, get his food, because he's whinging for it, set it before him, and he gives you this look like, you know, you are a servant and you have not done it the yeah. way that I want you to do it. I'm not going to eat this. Uh, well, I, I don't literally agree. I, I know he does that. Uh, and we've changed his food a few times. He'll eat it one day, then he won't eat it another day, which is annoying. But going back to giving money, there are lots of, like the Battersea Dog Home, there's lots of charities that look after um, abused animals, which I... I hate, I hate why a person has an animal uh, in the first place if they're not going to look after them. They're part of the family. Um, so, as you say, to give them some money, I think, does help them because they're good people. Well, I would rather always give the money to people because uh, they can use it. If you give it to the dogs, well... It's not to the dogs, it's to the people that run the, the, the business, isn't so, it? So some people do give it to the dogs. Yeah, but not 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 um, thousands. They they give it to a society uh, <laughs> That's that it. looks after them. Time out. Okay, uh, thanks very much indeed for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed our news from Europe. Some of the things in the news, um, which is unfortunately being overlooked. Stay healthy, stay well, and catch you next week. Same from me. Thank you, Bye. Bye. Bye.